Welcome to What's Left, a weekly political discussion challenging the mainstream left. My name is Andy Lipson, and again, we are joined by Kenny Zapata and Jessica. We are online at what-s-left.webnode.com, and you can find the link to our blog in the episode notes. Please subscribe, rate, review, turn on your notifications, share your favorite episodes, make comments, please, and jot down our information um, wherever you find this episode. So, um, today we're kind of talking about activism. Um, and it's a word probably that it's definitely has meant something to me, activism, movement building. What do we think we're doing? Um, and that's a word that's meant a lot to me. Like it's a word I've ascribed myself, like ascribed to myself. I'm an activist, um, or I'm involved in the movement. Um, Probably, Jessica, you've probably said the same thing. And Kenny, you've probably at times said that as well. And I thought those things are starting to mean different things to me. And in fact, as Kenny was noting with to me early in, before the episode, you know, Kenny, what do we used to say? A socialist and community organizer about you, right? Yeah. And uh, I mean, even the, com- the community organizing part, I kind of had an issue at the beginning. Um, and I, I guess I'll share why, just because I think it's kind of exclusionary and like it's, it's sort of labels, it puts a label of expert, you know, as if I know what the fuck I'm doing all the time, <laughs> you know, or as if I, you know, like I didn't have a beginning, you know, this process. Um, yeah, so that does, I guess that's the topic for today, right? Uh, yeah. As to think of. What does being an activist mean? What what is that? How the, how we've evolved? Because I, I also just like you, I have evolved because I did use that at some point. You know, I'm not gonna pretend I didn't. And so, but, but it definitely means different things now. So yeah, <clears throat> yeah. Jessica, do you want to say anything about it just quickly? Well, just very similar sentiment. Like I think Eduardo used to introduce mm-hmm. me as like an. In- environmental activist or animal rights activist or both and yeah I think I (laughs) said take that off I don't I I don't know my feelings toward the word have changed it's something that I like Kenny said have ascribed to myself in the past but it's it's also something I've really encouraged uh, students in certain contexts like I've taught quite a few years back but I taught like public activism in the academy courses and I think it's interesting just the the ways that we self-identify and then also the ways that we kind of resist it. Cause I remember having students who were spending literally like hundreds and hundreds of hours community organizing and changing their lifestyles and doing all this kind of stuff, like in the environmental and um, to some extent animal rights space. And so they were, they were fine saying I'm doing activism, but they would not call themselves an activist. And I remember being a really big advocate for being like, no, like you are an activist. Come on. Like, absolutely. And now a few years later, here I am sort of wanting to distance myself from the term. Yeah. And maybe it would be worth it to say a little bit about what we've, what we've done in the past. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, Because like I've been I've been involved in two different socialist organizations. I was part of a reform caucus in my union. I've been active in my union as a building rep, ran for elections in my union, built organization, built demonstrations, went to demonstrations, been arrested in Sacramento, 
uh, you know, like, I mean, tried to did strike support at different places. So all of those things, I would say all that, being active and an activist. So that's just maybe some of the spectrum of things I've been involved in, in over the many years. Um, so I'll start there and maybe other people could maybe share kind of what they've done and then we'll get into where we at right now. I can speak about myself. I also, I mean, I went to UC Berkeley, you know, as a student and you know, there were a lot of demonstrations, a lot of things. Uh, there was a lot of politics based on identity. So actually my experience has been kind of from the outside looking in. I haven't really been part of um, like socialist organizations. I've actually always been kind of like, even if I didn't know what I was thinking, the DSA, for example, that's like something I never mess with. It never made sense to me. Or, um, you know, when I went to Berkeley, uh, I was a Central American immigrant in a Chicano, Latino, Chica like Chicano identity politics dominant space. And so I was also an outsider in a way, uh, but I've attended a number of protests. And then in the last four years is when I really got into, you know, like more like, I guess, organizing with regards to Nicaragua, when, uh, you know, Daniel Ortega and the, the government there, so-called socialists started uh, clamping down on dissent. Um, and actually they did for years and it's just people looked the other way, never paid, paid attention, similar to the vaccine mandates. <laughs> You know, people kept making, uh, you know, uh, raising concerns about certain things, and and the, but the people in general didn't say anything. I lived there, and then I I, I kind of saw how the conditions were uh, primed for a massive uprising, and it happened. And so that kind of threw me into supporting uh, groups down there. You know, with other with people here organizing, fundraising. Uh, kind of raising awareness, but I learned different lessons in that group as well, just because like, you know, questions about identity and nationalism and um, and also just uh, a misreading of politics. So that was one part. And then uh, while I was doing that, I transitioned into uh, this nonprofit that was helping immigrants. Not, not a nonprofit, it was a community group that helped documented immigrants. And then the pandemic happened. And that's when we, I really dove in there, uh, help start an organization myself. Like I was one of the founding members, um, you know, feeding a bunch of families, um, you know, providing support in so many levels. And, but now I've sort of been blacklisted for personal and political reasons. And so I'm no longer uh, active in, in, an, in a group setting at the moment. Uh, my job doesn't allow me to attend a lot of the um, you know, uh, what is it? A student and teachers for choice, right? Yeah. Teachers for choice. Working uh, students for choice. Yeah, sorry. Uh, I haven't been attending because, I, you know, I have to make a living and I work in the restaurant industry. And so I guess the, if we can call it activism, this is part of it, having conversations with people every day, sharing my opinions, you know, as much as I can. Um, that's what I'm doing now. I can't believe I'm about to quote Michael Moore, but but I there's this one quote from like years ago that I, it just, just stuck with me. I don't even know it by word, but I remember him saying something about um, how like activism or activists, it shouldn't even be like a thing because just by nature of us being 
citizens and members of a society that it should sort of be like built in. Um, so that's, I feel like that's kind of how I felt for a long time about activism. I mean, in terms of what I've done. So I, I went sort of casually to a few, uh, like anti-war, anti-imperialist protests early on in college. So like mostly protesting the Iraq war. Um, but then I, I would say six years ago when I went vegan, I went pretty hard into the animal rights world. Um, and so I was involved there in, in terms of, yeah, attending protests and vigils and uh, like educational outreach events and then organizing with some of those, especially on uh, campus and working with different groups. Uh, and that kind of led me also into environmental activism. Um, and that also intersected a lot with my, mostly my PhD, like independent research. Um, so some of that was kind of focused on like how can academia enrich activist spaces and then vice versa. Um, so like my PhD dissertation was um, kind of focused around a couple of female uh, like activist or activist, like activism oriented um, poets and writers um, in the sort of environmental and, and animal uh, thematic space, I guess. Uh, and then when COVID hit uh, after, I think it was like summer 2020, I kind of hooked up with a local group in Seattle. And at that point I was doing pretty much weekly activist events. Um, so like street demonstrations, protests, educational outreach, that kind of thing. Um, so that's kind of my background. Um, yeah, I guess I'll just stop there and we'll talk about what, <laughs> we'll talk about the word later. Yeah. And, and so I guess for me in starting and talking about it, why I've become more distanced from it is and I may get into, I don't even know if today will be a day where I'll talk about what I'm doing. Maybe I will. I don't know actually what will happen in this episode. But um, increasingly, the things that I'm doing today just feel like living, just feel like trying to find a community. They don't feel like, they don't feel based on an issue. They feel like based on living. Um and I think one of the things that's connect, that's connected to is something I've talked to Jake about, not Eduardo's Jake, but our Jake, the the school world order Jake. Because um, when we first did Workers and Students for Choice, he was like, well, when, you know, how will you know things are going well or going poorly? And, you know, um, and, you know, what point do you know that we maybe have to like stop or things like that? And it, it used to be the case in, in organizing and being an activist coalitions would rise and coalitions would fall. And you kind of had to know just when to get out, like when things like no one's interested. So we just got to move on to something else. Next issue. And I, I told him that this is, this feels different to me. It, it, when we, when we launched workers and students for choice, which might, it might change its name someday or it might, it might go away as a group that exists on the internet. Um, uh, I don't know, or it might, it might just go away as a, yeah, it might just go away as a group and become something else as we, I'll talk about my own motion, notions of how, where that thing could go. Um, I increasingly, because 
I felt the entire world was changing and and it felt and the and this this work that I'm in now feels like kind of life and death. Not like I will die if it's something, but well, of course I'll die, but meaning it feels all or nothing. Like we're either going to change everything or we're going to, or we are going to get changed into fourth industrial revolution. You will have nothing and like it kind of people. Um, and all my data gets collected and you know, whatever the kind of dystopia that I think is being planned by the forces behind world economic forum and United States and China and stuff like that. And so I was like, this, this group wouldn't really go away. It's like, it can get as small as it wants because we still need to do something because we're dealing with something that's, we're dealing with this issue and this issue is the world and the globe and our lives. And are we going to get control of our lives or not? So, so for me, I started to see the word activist as somehow separate than like, like a, like a special, as if we're, there's a special cohort or cadre of people trained to do something when what I feel like we're doing is trying to find our way in life with a community. And that's what I feel like we're trying to do in response to it being broken down and destroyed. So this, this, this word of activism, activism made it sound more separate than what I actually think what we're doing is. Um, and I became, I came to see like, as in talking to Brian, who thinks of himself as not active, uh, but he's having conversations with people about some of the political stuff and they're coming to him and they're having ongoing conversations that are changing their minds and somewhat impacting his mind. To me, that feels like what we're talking about. So that's just where things are at with him. I mean, he's mostly doing music, but in the context of the music, he finds himself having conversations and they're connected to conversations he's having with me. And it's just like, it's just a, it's a web. It's not this like special place where we put activists and they get to do stuff. So that's my first thought about this. Um, and, and this notion of maybe what we're doing it's more like, well, I'm trying to live to change the world. It's, you know, I, my journey, I've had the privilege to have Libsyn and uh, Brian, you know, and having heard their stories, their journeys. And, you know, that's kind of has informed a bit of, you know, my journey as a person who cares and wants to do something about, you know, whatever, or like what's happening in front of us. And so, you know, I guess, for me, it's always been like, there has to be community, you know, like the Nicaragua thing, that was a group of people who had something in common and wanted to do something about it. Uh, and, you know, it affected our lives because it affected people that we cared about. Uh, same with, uh, you know, kind of like the pandemic thing. And so for me, like, that's how I've evolved. And, and that's why it's important that, you know, whatever we do, you know, it makes sense what you're saying, I guess. That's what I'm trying to say, that it has to be a community, right? That's why I do consider myself a communist, right? That's what I think of community. And I've actually talking to, I guess, in the last episode, Jessica, you, you mentioned that we were saying similar things with different terms. You know, I had a similar conversation with Jake, actually. This is Eduardo's Jake. Where we had a sort of conversation slash debate, and we have a lot of common ground. We're just calling things different things. <laughs> You know, but like these rigid boxes of like, oh, I'm I'm this and that. You know, it's kind of uh, exclusionary, and, and and it's a division that prevents us from actually, you know, like seeing the commonality of intent. You know, like of intent. You know, because I, that was something that 
at least when I open myself to listening to people on the right wing, you know, there are some fundamental things I don't agree, but there is at least a fundamental sense of wanting to protect their lives, right? And, and the people they care about. And, and, and I think that, you know, we have different approaches, of course, you know, different people, but that is a fundamental thing that, you know, humans have, and we're gonna have to have conversations, right? And that's the idea of this show. That's the that's what I'm doing, I guess, to be, uh, or I try to do, you know, I'm, and I'm annoying, you know, not everyone can, can uh, you know, hear me out or, in, in, you know, and I'm also stubborn and human and, and you know, but, but to me, that's part of the process, you know, and, and of, of being a person that cares, I guess. Or, and so in that sense, I guess, and I do think everyone has a responsibility, you know, that, you know, and I am influenced by John Trudell, that's kind of the rabbit hole I've been going down, you know, through lately, you know, where he talks about responsibility. And, and, and that's why I completely removed myself from that kind of a label activist because it takes away responsibility from more of the people. You know, it puts expertise on me or people who call themselves activists, you know, and not only that, but like, I think you alluded to that lips and that you kind of, I, I, at least from my perspective, activism um, places people into like single issues, you know, and that's what I am. And it's an identity in a way as well. You know, I just care about this particular issue. And, like I'm, I'm very curious, and I care how you know. And I've done that too. You know, I was into environmental stuff. You know, like all about water, water rights, and water. You know, protecting water and all this stuff. And through my studies, through my what I understand of this system and how it works, and my discoveries, everything's connected. You know, pretty much to me. You know, and 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 again, it's not just up to me. I used to carry a burden, you know, and I used to shame people. <laughs> and it used to be like, what the fuck is wrong with you? And I, I, I now, because I'm no longer consider, I don't carry that burden of being an activist and having to spearhead everything. Um, you know, I, I still, I mean, I'm not fully at peace, but <laughs> I've released some of the, the weight of that, you know, and it, it's not up to me, it's a collective responsibility. And, you know, like I will, my job is to speak my truth, what I see, how I see it, you know, and this is influenced by Rosa Luxemburg, you know, in, 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 you know, the other part of it for me um, is that when I look back at these people that we admire, right, that are put in fucking pedestals, you know, I gotta remember they were human. <laughs> and, and at times they didn't know every, you know, everything and they were wrong in some shit you know, and, and that they're not perfect and they're not to be, you know, elevated as like, you know, these unique humans, you know, in, 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 in the sense that we're all capable of doing something <laughs> and we all have an obligation to do something where we see something that's wrong. Otherwise, you know, we are rejecting our own humanity, you know, and, and that goes back to, I guess, my fundamental makeup, which is my mother. You know, because she was the example. And, and, and if we have to put a label, then my mother is the biggest activist there is because she always shows up for people, for community. Even people she disagrees, that's the biggest example she's given me. And I always tell people, people that she disagrees, she does not like. She says, fair is fair. You know, and, and that, that means, and she starts at work in the community, you know, and, and so I think that's what I aspire to. 
you know, to, to, to continue to do, not just in, 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 again, that's why I reject this label activist because it's very uh, isolating, you know, in, in so many ways. And it also like intimidates people, I think, uh, from participating in, 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 you know, in, in just figuring stuff out. Because like I said earlier, like when I consider myself quote unquote activist, I didn't know what the hell I was doing. I just knew something had to be done and we figure it out as a group. It wasn't perfect, but that's what it's gonna take, right? To, to, to do something about what we care about. Gosh, yeah, there's a lot there. Um, I mean, I feel like the best teaching I have done is when it doesn't feel like teaching, right? And the best scholarship I've done is when it doesn't feel like scholarship. And the best activism I've done is for sure when it doesn't feel like activism. Because maybe it's not, right? Like maybe all those things are just kind of, like you said, like just kind of being humans and figuring stuff out collaboratively. And like I was saying earlier um, about kind of encouraging my students students and I feel like I went through the exact same thing that they would go through where I I was doing a bunch of activism but I would shy away from that label out of lack of confidence and also not wanting I think you called it a burden Kenny at one point like not wanting to feel like oh god like it's up to me (laughs) to save animals or to save the world or whatever right like that's a lot um and I feel like then I kind of inhabited a space which was probably a healthy step to be to gain confidence and feel like no like I'm doing all this stuff like I am an activist like that's okay but now I kind of feel like I'm coming back around but more from a healthy place of humility of feeling like well hang on I don't I don't know at all I and I mean at base I think about some of the activism I was doing and like, what was I really trying to accomplish? I was basically trying to convince people to think and act like me or like I wanted them to. Um, And that's very, I mean, that's kind of disturbing, right? Like, I mean, I wasn't doing what the government and culture at large is doing now. I mean, you you can try to get people to do what you want by indoctrinating them, right? Like they're doing in, universities and schools all over this country you can force them or coerce them right like with the mandates and stuff like that but I don't know I feel like I'm kind of coming around and the last couple of conversations we've had um when we've talked about like rights and I think about even just like a protest which is obviously only one very narrow form of like what I used to call activism but like, what are you doing in a protest? You're basically asking or begging or demanding for your rights, right? As opposed to living as though you have those rights. And then if it comes to it, defending them. I feel like it's, I don't know, maybe materially it's not that different, but I feel like the approach is a world of difference. Um, and I, the other thing that has kind of made me want to distance myself besides sort of the, I guess, like the humility thing and realizing like, gosh, I've been wrong about a lot of stuff. And, you know, um, 
anyway, yeah, is, is, um, I feel like there's like a branding, like a really effective large scale branding exercise that's been done in terms of activism. And I don't know, I, I think, cause I'm in more of like the environmental space or that's where I kind of come from. Um, just like the whole like Greta, Greta movement with the youth strikes and climate protests and like a very neoliberal lane of quote unquote environmentalism. Um, that really forced me to kind of like step back. And I remember like reading Corey Morningstar's work in 2019 um, and being like, whoa, okay, maybe uh, maybe this isn't uh, what we're supposed to be doing, right? Like maybe this isn't actually serving the values and the cause that we think we are. Um, and, and then I feel like with COVID and then BLM, and then in the universities, like the whole sort of weaponizing of social justice. And uh, it's just, it's like so many other terms, like it's suddenly kind of been emptied of meaning. And I could feel that happening as I was right. Cause I was writing a lot as I was finishing up my dissertation. Uh, I guess it's been almost a year since I finished it, but you know, I remember like the George Floyd protests two years ago um, and writing about this stuff and just, like feeling in real time, like this word of activism and social justice and diversity and all of this stuff was just being like emptied of meaning and co-opted. And yeah, I just, I don't, I didn't want to have those labels on me anymore because they didn't mean the same thing that they used to mean, um, or at least that I perceived them to mean. I have a question for you, Jessica. I mean, do you think like that you've changed or like the terms have changed or both maybe? Both, I think both. Mm. Yeah. yeah, I think both. Because I personally wonder about myself, you know, like whether, you know, like it's always been that thing, you know, uh, the same thing, you know, the terms and mm. I've changed because I know I've definitely changed, but I don't know, I'm still trying to answer that for myself. Yeah. Yeah, for me, I think I would say it's much more that I've changed than the terms. Um, and maybe the way I look at those terms has changed, but I feel like the change has happened in me. And Jessica, I want to come back to that thing. I hope we come back to this thing you said about, am I just trying to like tell people what to think or get people to think like I'm thinking? Um, because I agree with the critique of that, but also at the same time, I know I'm still believing that there's, there's a message I'm trying to get out to people. So it, there, I mean, I'm having a, a both agreement and conflict with what you said there. And I want to, I do want to come back to it because I was thinking like, no, I don't want to proselytize. And I've done that. I definitely proselytize, but I do want to engage. And also I do have an opinion. Like I do have a thought about, okay, what do we, what do I think we need to be doing? But the question is, is how right do I feel I am in saying that? I'm like, that's what I think. I, you know, this is what seems like the right way to go. But I will say there's more error bars on what I say in my own mind. Um, but so I want to come back to that. Um, but one thing I've been thinking, and this came up when you were talking, Jessica, I'm not sure why, but I was kind of asking myself, well, how did I arrive at this place where I, where I just want to jettison that word? Um, and maybe even I, don't, I want to jettison movement building as well. It's like, as opposed to living and trying to find our way to, to be alive and free. Um, is what I would describe 
you know, how do we liberate ourselves um, individually? And I believe to be to, for it to happen individually, I think there's got to be something collective that goes on, and there's some kind of relationship between those that I don't actually know how it's going to work, but that's my sense. But I will say that decades of being an active socialist with other among other socialists, with the aim of be working with a cohort of socialists and now seeing that that's just been wrecked. That's left me something. Decades of being in a union with the, with the aim of building, connecting myself through work in the union and wor work as a union activist, building trust with coworkers and that being completely wrecked, <laughs> you know, like it's gone. Like I can't, I do think that experience has led me to be like, Oh my, you know, like to really, doubt a lot of the things that I have have been doing even though I like where it's got me like I'm, I, I I like the where I'm at in terms of my my mind about this I feel like it's mostly a legacy of everything the things I've tried have just been wrecked and now I'm trying to make sense of where am I now um and so like I do think about when when Brandy and I so one of the things we Brandy and I do do is we go out and table, um, and maybe I can do a little show and tell on that part. So um, this is Brandy and I tabling at the farmer's market. We do it like once every two weeks, um, and we have some material out there, uh, and I have a clipboard, and we have our little workers and students for choice cards. You can see those down here, and you can see what, like, I'm wearing my, I often wear a political shirt, like at first we weren't really sure, like would that turn people off? And we came, we came to the conclusion that like, no, this is what we want. We want people to know what we stand for. So we're going to wear shirts that kind of indicate that. Um, and, and then this poster stop Vax mandates, digital ID censorship. I mean, this thing started around Vax mandates and vaccine requirements and data collect and, and um, contact tracing, but it quickly, our discussions have moved into areas of, digital IDs and censorship. And even, I'll just show some of the material we have out talking about the WHO. We talk to people about what's going on um, with that. Um, talking about what's happening with the land grab, you know, and, and Bill Gates. Um, uh, and, you know, this, these are some of the bills that California has been doing. Um, but, uh, you know, that's just a piece of it. These bills are largely related to data and vaccines and medical stuff, medical freedom things. But we've pretty quickly moved on to, to other stuff. And when we're, maybe I should stop sharing this. Um, when we're out there, I mean, I'm largely just asking people about either questions about, you know, like, are you, how do you feel about the, the where, where our schools are going in terms of data collection? You know, do you feel like more data collection will make you more free? Think, Y'all say things like that. And my goal really is just find people who, who are like, who didn't know that there was people who disagreed with the, with the narrative and disagreed with the stuff and talk with them, see where they're coming from. But I am making an argument to them that we are physically being broken up as a collective, if we are even collective, and that our goal, the reason I want to talk to you is about staying in touch with us so that we can build... A, community together to figure out how we're going to make our way through this, how we're going to build an alternative community, how we're going to defend it, how do, how do we fight this thing together? 
So I am making that argument to people. I am saying we will have to do that. If people say, well, I don't know, or I don't sit there and go like, well, tell me a better way. But I am making a pitch to people. Um, and by and large, we've only had a few people kind of take us up on that. And, and one person only recently has started to join our Workers and Students for Choice group and come around to it. Most, pe most people who agree, don't, who really agree with what Brandy and I are saying, don't necessarily get active. Um, they, they, they will even meet people like over and over again and they'll be like, we'll talk with them and I'll just spend 30 minutes or 40 minutes talking with somebody and talking with a pair of people just to get to know their story. And so they can hear what we're talking about, um, with the aim of build, forming a connection of some sort. Um, but that is probably the closest thing. What we're doing there is like activism. Um, and at the same time. Brandy is connected to other organizations that are doing like trying to do stuff with the Oakland city council. And then we've met people who are doing stuff for food storage, you know, and like doing like every two months or something like that, helping people store their food for long-term food storage by storing it in nitrogen. And now they're starting to meet at our house so that we have people meet at our house for that. And I think it was that experience and having people come to our house and talk and talk to those people about like what's going on that made me realize that I'm not doing activism. I'm just doing living. I'm trying to figure out to make my way in life and find other people who I th think I can trust will understand what the hell is going on in the world. Um, so I don't know if that's a ramble, but those are some things I wanted to share as I thought about this question we're saying about what are we doing? Um, oh, last thing I would say is I'm also actively like, one of the people who came to our nitrogen, putting nitrogen in food to kind of store it for long was a guy, his name is Jamin, who is working with the luminaries to do the school. And I spent a lot of time talking with him about kind of seeing what the pro prospects are for me staying engaged with him, because at some point I want, want to be involved in like a freedom school kind of thing. So that is also what I like. I, so I'm trying to find my area of work. I'm trying to find people who I'll be safe to live around and, and we can find a way to make a living. And at the same time, I am going out and tabling. Oh, and one thing I would say is the place we're tabling is a farmer's market. And we are meeting people who farm and who agree with us. And I'm thinking we want to know those people over time. So I don't know where any of this leads, but it all just, it all, I'm, I would just describe it as trying to put myself in positions where links can be formed in the context of what feels like needs to be built to live. I feel like even with the farmer's market example, it might be on a really small scale, even like just spatially, <laughs> but you're doing something very different from like getting people's faces or like protesting or like shoving some, like you're literally creating a space where people can come hmm. to you if they want or not, right? And in a sense, I feel like that's almost just like a little microcosm of something like the luminaries or like an intentional community or all of these different interpretations of like opting out and just kind of like starting to live and model the way of life that you want to create to the extent that you can. And when you do that and you're happy and you guys look super cute and, you know, adorable in the photo, like you're having a great time together. 
you know, people, people naturally come. And like, I've, I've, even, like I've seen that the past few years, uh, kind of in like the women's rights and feminism space or like some of those spaces where like, I, I've never really done like activism in that space, but I feel like some of the choices I've made and people that I've connected with and the communities that I've seen modeled, like those are far more powerful than like activism. Um, and it's like, it's growing. Like people are coming to those spaces, like whether it's a stall at a farmer's market or an online community or like a literal festival or homestead or whatever. Um, and I feel, I don't know, like one of the big, kind of like tensions that I've felt the past year or so it and I think I've voiced it here like a few times is just like this tension between like like stay and fight right or like opt out and like go go build something else um and I mean I don't think it has to be a binary choice like that um I think both elements kind of need to be incorporated or else either path is bound to fail Mm -hmm. but I do think I don't know I think the the opt-out is is like more of like the step one um especially got what we've seen the last like given what we've seen the past few years in terms of um just our ability to mobilize and the response of the general public especially in cities and yeah I don't know yeah I mean, Kenny, I don't know if you have something to say, but the, the first thing that comes to mind is I, I don't have much of a reason to go to some of the demonstrations that are going on. Like there was one we did in Sacramento, but my, my biggest reason to do that was to meet up physically with people from Workers and Students for Choice and to connect with the California, there were some, there were some other people from Central Valley who were teachers who were organizing and we could meet with them. That was my biggest reason to go to that. I, beyond that, it was like, what do we, you know, and then maybe there will come a time when we'll feel necessary to do something like a march or something like that. But it, it has not felt that has not felt relevant to what I'm what I feel like trying to do. And I appreciate the way you put that, Jessica, that we're creating a, a space that people can say you can talk with us if you choose. Clearly, there's a few people who will give us hate. We just got to deal with that. And then there's some people who are devil's advocates who just are going to argue with us. But by and large, we're just looking to say, would you be willing to talk with us about this and spend some time with us trying to think about how how are we going to change this? Um, and I, I I think you're right that 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 is it is more of an invitation than a declaration. That, that feels beautiful. You know, like I thought that's what I had, but it's crumbled up a couple of times. You know, that sense of community. Um, for different reasons, for disagreements. Um, but I do think, you know, what you're saying, and at least that's how I envision things is necessary. You know, I've talked about in the past about dancing together, you know, festivals. And I think of the people of, you know, the truckers in Canada, right, that were playing hockey, you know, and because like, again, just from hearing stories, right, uh, just also learning about, stories of people who are very active and very prominent in different movements and the, you know, the high cost of, of you know, like um, what they do, right. To, to push forward and, and, you know, like turning back and, and then seeing, you know, 
and, and hopefully those people were happy. But personally, I, I, I gotta be honest, like I don't, you know, I don't want to be a martyr, <laughs> you know, like I don't, you know, like I guess if given the circumstances, I'll do what I have to, but I, I'm not gonna pretend like, you know, I'm, I'm this almighty courageous person all the time, you know, um, and, you know, kudos for people who can and, and, and do, you know, and, and do inspire people in, in that sense. But again, it's like, if you look at that, those movements die with one person, <laughs> you know, like, and, and so, you know, like, again, I, I, I want to reiterate that I do see that, of course, you know, life, but it's also a responsibility to create what we want to create, right? And, and that's what, you know, it's important to have those spaces and, and being able to live because, just like I've also examined myself, you know, losing myself in the struggle, you know, in, in the short period of activism, quote unquote, that I've been involved in. And so what's the point then, you know, like, you know, like uh, fighting for a better life. And like, I guess that, you know, I also look at the um, prefigurative politics, right? And that uh, you have to create the, you know, the society, the world, the community that you want it to be. And you got to, you almost have to live by example, you know, if you create something sustainable, when you mentioned this, Lipson, that if you make something worth defending, you'll know, you know, and, 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 you know, like, so I think that a lot of times we get focused on the militant part, right, like the, the destruction of something, but then what is going to take its place, you know, and, and for me, it's like, it goes back to that, where you were saying community, community, you know, and, and, you know, connections with people. Uh, and I think that's what, I, more than guns, you know, like, because I still think they will be necessary if you ever want to challenge the status quo, you know, of, of, of any system, you know, if you, and like, if, if you don't believe that, then you don't understand history. At least that's my opinion. Um, but it, again, the, but then what are you defending? You know, like, or is it just about destruction, you know? And I think uh, a lot of people skip that uh, that step, and I have in the past personally. And but I do see that necessity to to plant some stuff that will nourish and 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 then you know like water and defend with our lives if we have to. I think it's very telling how like with workers and students for twice, and I mean I'm not in the San Francisco area, so in some ways I kind of feel like I'm like a witness even though sometimes I'm a participant but like a lot of times something will just kind of like someone will be like trying to set an agenda or like figure out like you guys are gonna have a, a meetup like what are we gonna do and it's like it just ends up where like what people really want is just like to get together and like have a party or have a potluck or have a whatever and I think there's like some of us feel that pull of like, wait, but we should be like organizing. We should be like do checking off agenda points, right? But like, should we? I don't know. I mean, I think the other part is like just as valuable. And especially after a couple of years where so many of us have been so isolated, like that work is foundational just to create those connections and whatever it looks like. Um, yeah, I mean, I would say like the, the last meeting we had, um, the Bay Area in-person meetup, and again, my 
I am more and more of the mind that, you know, that the, the none of this change that we're going to try to make is going to happen here on the internet. Um, we can, we can get ideas out there. You can do some things, but this just feels very occupied space. Um, and that the, the future for doing anything that's going to have a life to it is just about people we are, we can be in physical touch with. And so these meetings uh, are an attempt just to kind of like constitute people who are prepared to meet in person. And they started at a time when people were, was, was a little more fear. And I feel like there's less of that, but I will say this last meeting we had, and even uh, Jeff had mentioned, you know, he kind of went the, the agenda kept getting extended because new people, like people would show up a little late and another people, and then, but we actually had some really interesting conversations as a result of the new folks who came in and the kind of questions that they posed. Um, and I would not change anything about that. Um, and I do still, I agree with what you're saying though, Jessica, is that I think, and I think this way too, is sometimes I try to organize things that should not be organized that don't need to be organized that they can that the only organization that happens is come and let's see what happens you know um and if 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 in that coming together it feels like people feel like we got to figure out what we need to do next well then that's what happens but if something else happens then that then that's what happens as well and particularly with all the control that's going on around us and the censorship and the restrictions i feel very much an emphasis on just trying to open space up for people to say anything and kind of do anything. Um, that's what it feels like to me, just so you, you, we can experience something closer to like a little mini freedom, at least um, in this environment. Um, there was something else I was thinking. Oh, and the, the thing you were saying, Kenny, about responsibility. And I wanted to see if you, you were thinking it the same way I'm thinking, because like we met this guy, Aaron, who came to our meeting and he's like, he is clearly an act. He's, he wants to get active and do stuff. He's doing his own thing. He's making his own shirts that say, I, we want to see your face or something like that. We got some from him. Um, we ended up buying some shirts from him. Um, and he's trying to figure out what to do. Like, um, and, but we've also met a number of people who are like Aaron, who are totally against this, but they're just not getting active. Like they're, or at least they're not getting active in a way that connects them with us that I can tell. And, you know, I, I think I, it would be easy for me to get frustrated about that or, but my own feeling is, is I just don't know what the answer is. Like, I don't, I'm just going to continue to talk with those people. And when I see them, I'll say, hi, and we're going to talk and give a new round of saying, Hey, we're doing this. Would you like to come and do something with us? Or would you, would you like to go out to eat with me and Brandy? And we can talk with you because I'm thinking of, a, of another couple we met named Rita and Scott who were like, you know, totally like against 5G and the fourth industrial revolution, but they're just not, you know, they're just not necessarily involved um, as far as I can tell. Um, and so I feel like it's really important to just be like, to, for me to recognize, I don't really know what's going on with people that might cause them to come towards us or not. I just have to keep putting forward that notion of like, hey, I'm ready to meet when you are kind of thing. I think that, again, it goes back to that whole, like, getting together and stuff, right? Making it more than just about a single issue, right? Because, you know, we've talked about trust, right? And and, and and it has to be layered, you know, it can't just be alliance in one issue, you know, and then you also have to be okay with the discomfort of disagreeing, I think, you know, and that's something that, I, you know, 
I've had to uh, learn, uh, you know, through this process of, the, you know, talking to people, you know, more on the conservative, quote unquote conservative, whatever that means. But I think that's where that plays an important role, right? Of having activities together and, and also showing up because at least I think of my family, you know, and my mother, uh, myself, you know, and I, and I try to, and I mean this humbly in the sense of, you know, like a lot of people trust me, you know, not because of what I say necessarily, because they don't know the full extent of my politics, but what I do, you know, how I show up, you know, and, and, and that's, you know, this has been my family's journey and my journey, you know, that we keep showing up for people. We leave our, you know, in a way, and, you know, we're not perfect. Obviously, we're fucking passionate. And, but again, it's just fundamental to show up, right? Like, and for people in, you know, when, um, you know, I think, I don't know if I remember correctly, Ibsen, but I don't know if it was you. Someone told me that, you know, they were showing up on some situation about housing, right? But they were socialists you know, from that framework, but they were showing up. And so then people started listening. I don't know if that was your case, but it's just, you know, like, I don't know if it's kind of like uh, plotting, but I don't know. The point is like, for example, me at work, you know, like I have a new job, all the coworkers, most of them, you know, like me, respect me for what I do and what I, you know, and, and the, the level of care that I show up for my coworkers, you know, and, and so if push came to shove, I feel like I have some credit in the bank, you know, to give my opinion, right? Um, and, you know, and, and kind of showing why I am, you know, the way I am, you know? And, and so I, again, that, that can only be achieved by interacting, not just attending one once in a while uh, protest with, a, with a, a single slogan, you know, that's why I don't like that. It's very Disney, it's very lazy to me, to be honest. You know, it's kind of insulting in a way because, you know, we just saw the, you know, pro-choice, you know, in, you know, by and large. And I'm not trying to say that people are stupid. No, but like I invite people to not insult their own intelligence, you know, and then then my part is to not be intimidating, you know, because, you know, I do post stuff, right? Like, and then I very, my thoughts, my complicated thoughts and how I see the world. But if people actually, if we have a conversation, I want them to know that it's okay. You know, like I am able to have this Marxist conversation with my mom, with my brother, you know, in different levels. And when I was a liberal asshole going to UC Berkeley, I could not get through to them. We would not agree on anything because they would resist, they would put up their walls and rightly so, <laughs> rightly so, you know. So like my job is to inform myself. My job is to know why I think what I think. I, at least that's what I, think and then be honest with you know about my values and my why i see things and and if it explains the things that i'm seeing if it makes sense to them then they'll they'll see some value in it you know but again my 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 role is not to educate the whole world you know like i used to even cringe of people that say you know had comments on the on the on here you know prior to the episode you brought up the people disagree with me and, and like look I am speaking about what I see and I, I actually hope I'm fucking wrong because if I'm completely right, then this shit is going to get really bad, you know, and, and I'm thinking of the possibilities, right. Of what I see, what I've, I've read, what I, you know, experienced in my life, 
And, and so like, that's all I can speak about, right? <laughs> if things make sense. And just, you know, just to go back to where you said Lipson about, you know, not organizing certain things, right? Like that don't need to organize, uh, to be organized. You know, I think of my experience, right? Of growing up in another country to people from the US, even, you know, the, the diaspora, the kids born here, shedding other countries looks like chaos. <laughs> You know, because it's not in this quote unquote American civilized way, but shit gets taken care of. <laughs> you know, like people live fulfilling lives and in, 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 in many times even more fulfilling lives than, than, than it is, at least from my perspective, in this sick country. Because this country is so sick. You know, obviously, we, you know, there's, you know, mass shooting has been on the news, you know. And, you know, it's becoming a politicized thing, right? And, you know, about elections and gun control, since it would go regulation, but like, let's just start from the basics. This country is sick. And like, for me, it starts from that, the lack of what you're, you're doing, Lipson, the lack of community, the lack of awareness of self in, in a community space, you know, the, the, the lack of showing up for people, you know, more than anything, more than any ideological line, that is, uh, you know, a basic human thing. <laughs> That's what makes a fulfilling life. Connection, you know, in sharing and, you know, in building things together, taking care of things together, like kids, <laughs> like a community. You know, I, I was raising a horrible community. And I guess that's my experience in the sense that people would be scared, you know, how much like uh, pathologies of, 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 you know, capitalism, you know, like uh, drug abuse, you know, uh, I guess to some people would be horrified by sex work, you know, thieves, gangs, uh, some filth to a degree, you know, some shanty towns, kids on the streets. And yet there was a sense of community. My family feels more comfortable going to the Tenderloin here, which is the, the worst part of San Francisco to many people. They feel more comfortable there because versus where I live, where people don't even look at each other in the eyes. My neighbors here, they, they close their doors when we live in the, our, 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 you know, our, our apartment. You know, like people say hi to the dogs, not to people, you know? And, and so again, that's why it's so important more than like even just the politics is like more than like the theoretical stuff, you know, it's just like showing up and like living your values, you know? And, but it also is hard to be consistent in this system, you know? Like in where, you know, like I can't attend those meetings that you're attending because I have to make a living, you know, and that's why I fight this system so bad because I look at that, you know, I guess the uncivilized quote unquote, because I also, I'm like spitting at that word now, you know, civilization, because what people consider, you know, educated people consider civilized, is actually grotesque, you know, like in, 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 in you know, like, um, and so I guess I'm losing my train of thought, but my point is like things get taken care of if, if you show up, you know, with honesty and care and like, and care for someone else. Um, that is more important than, you know, like even understanding Marx for me. I do sometimes say hello to the dog <laughs> before the person, but I try to say hello to the person as well. Um, no, I mean, I feel like you both talked a little bit about like just the idea of showing up and I, I mean, it's such a cliche, but I do think that's largely true that like 90, what do they say? Like 90, 
7% of the battle with like anything in life is just consistently showing up, like whether it's something menial or <laughs> sports or career or whatever. Um, but obviously from like a, a moral and community engaged standpoint, like what Kenny was talking about, but also in terms of like getting stuff done, like if you have a political agenda, I mean, that uh, like if you can get people to show up to a workers and students for choice meeting, that's the big hurdle, right? Like it's not like agenda point B versus agenda point C. Um, and I think that like um, Steve Poikinen always says about like, he's a big proponent of uh, like parallel societies and yeah, just kind of like opting out and setting up your own system like to the d- degree that you can. And he always says like, arguing over like how you want to organize your society and all of those like details like that's the reward Mm. that's like the the gift at the end right like it's getting there that's the real challenge for most people because I mean you live your whole life in the system like it seems like there's no alternative it seems impossible um and even so like yesterday I was out in the vegetable garden with my landlady and we were just like planting lettuce and spinach and peas and stuff. And like, it was so easy. I was like, what the hell? Like, <laughs> why have I gone like 32 years? Like, and like it, you just put seeds in the soil. Like that's literally what you do. <laughs> and then you like wait for them to grow and you have food, you know, like, it's just, I don't know. You just, you just show up. I don't know. I did. I was, I was thinking about the whole kind of like, especially thinking of the women from the luminaries and um, yeah, the tension that I was talking about earlier about like staying and fighting versus opting out. Um, And I, I was just looking, uh, my students have been reading, do you guys know deep green resistance? Um, It's kind of like an environmental, like, I guess like radical manifesto um and my students are reading part of it uh, or they've been reading part of it um and they one of the things that it talks about is um have you guys heard of the Wandervogel in Germany this is like late uh like late 19th century um like basically parallels or attempts at parallel societies um so I don't know I may just like re- read a few little excerpts if if that's cool because I think it kind of like I am a hundred percent like behind a lot of what you guys are describing in terms of just any opportunity to build connections and communities and I don't know just like human <laughs> human interactions and human networks of relations um but I I don't know I I was reviewing this this text just because I'm going through it with my students and it it was kind of helping me to process I think some of my own trepidation or my own skepticism around this idea of opting out or built just building an alternative system um so it talks about um the Wandervogel I don't know if that's how you pronounce it I don't know German um but they were basically uh 19 like late 19th century early 20th century German um groups that like they kind of had elements of like nature-based romanticism um 
and then like kind of mixed with sort of like nationalism, I guess. Um, so wander vogel means wandering spirits. Um, and I mean, maybe like Andy, especially probably relate. like, so they say the wander vogel started with urban teachers taking their students for hikes in the country as part of the Lebens reform, life reform movement. This social movement emphasized physical fitness and natural health, experimenting with a range of alternative modalities like homeopathy, natural food, herbalism, and meditation. The Lebens reform created its own clinics, schools, and intentional communities, all variations on a theme of reestablishing a connection with nature. The short hikes became weekends, the weekends became a lifestyle. The Wandervogel embraced the natural in opposition to the artificial. Rural over urban, emotion over rationality, sunshine and diet over medicine, spontaneity over control. So I was like immediately thinking, well, one, I was thinking like, that sounds really nice. And then I was also thinking of the women from the luminaries, you know, and these sort of alternative like homeschool co-ops and things that are starting to, you know, kind of take off. Um, but yeah, so they, 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 they basically were kind of like the origin of the youth hostel movement in a way, like these kind of wandering, like the, the authors of deep green resistance say like they were the anarchist vegan squatters of the age, um, you know, like really big on nature. Um, and then like alongside them, they were one of a few different forms of, um, just kind of like these experiments, they say, um, experiments involved surrealism, modern dance, Dada, paganism, feminism, pacifism, psychoanalysis, and nature cure. Um, so it basically, like, and, and it actually did influence um, a lot of the 1960s, like U.S. kind of counter counterculture and hippie movement and stuff like that. Like there were people, like direct links um, from this German movement, um, including the uh, the guy who's basically considered the founder of, um, like naturalistic health or naturopathy. Um, what's his name? Let's see, uh, Benjamin Lust. Um, so he wrote a book called return to nature. And I think he ended up like immigrating from Europe to America. And so he was one of the people who kind of was one of those links. Um, so in return to nature, he railed against water and air pollution, vivisection, vaccination, meat, smoking, alcohol, coffee, and public schooling. Um, and I think Gandhi was influenced by him as well. Um, so I don't know, I just, a lot of this kind of resonates with people that I've met over the past two years who are trying to do something like this um, and are super well-intentioned, but the authors of Deep Green Resistance are, you know, they're, they're, they're a little bit critical of them. And um, they kind of go through the way, you know, of course they were perceived by a lot of mainstream society as kind of like a fringe movement, which is a term I've been called countless times throughout the past couple of years. Like, oh, you just have this fringe idea of health or mm -hmm. whatever, your political beliefs are fringe. Um, but they were, so like, you know, obviously in the lead up to well, Nazism basically, right? Like you had um, the social democratic German party um, starting to take shape, like, you know, obviously, um, like late 19th century. Um, and it talks a little bit about kind of the, like, wedge between these. So, um, you know, the SPD helped usher in the first parliamentary democracy, including universal suffrage, uh, shorter workday, legals, workers, councils, and industry, and a social safety net. To these serious activists, the Wandervogel and Lebens reform, especially the, quote, more manifestly idiotic of these cults, were fringe movements. To state the obvious, the constituents of SPD 
or working class and poor people concerned with survival and justice, while the Lebens reform with their yoga, spiritualism, and dietary silliness were almost entirely middle class. So it's kind of like this, like, it has an air of this sort of like, you know, barefoot Peace Corps volunteer, like wandering through the forest with his guitar. And I think like that is where I'm like, like, I don't want to be like apolitical. Right. Um, And there were, there was like a significant portion of this movement that did kind of like fall prey to right wing ideology eventually right and and nazism like some of them did become uh communists some of them immigrated to the u.s and influenced the you know the later 20th century counterculture like i was saying but a lot of them like didn't right like it didn't end well um so i think kind of the i don't know like the lesson that i was taking there i guess was just like yes, I want to set up intentional communities and yes, I want to opt out on all of that, but I don't want to do so in a way that completely detaches myself and my work from like radical political resistance, Mm -hmm. right? And that's what scares me a little bit when I talk to not all of them, but like some of these people is it, it, it can very easily slip into this just sort of like like whatever we're just apathetic we're just gonna go like live our lives and be happy and I mean I guess there's something to be said for that but I think it like this example and the way that so much of that movement like there was a the way they kind of describe it is like there was a almost like a vortex or a void because they were and they even had um so they even had and and the Nazis like almost like co-opted some of the ideas or, or use like weaponized them. Right. Um, you know, stuff like physical fitness and diet, right. Like it became like a nationalist purity thing. It talks about how, um, a racial concept of health was central to national socialism, right. Uh, Jews, gays, and lesbians, the mentally ill and anarchists were seen as diseases that weakened the German race. Um, so it's like this weird mix, um, of like romanticism and then like the technocratic, like modern scary shit that we've, <laughs> that we've all been, you know, beginning to relive. Um, but yeah, they basically, their argument here is an alternative culture built around the project of an individualistic and interior experience, whether spiritual or psychological, cannot create a resistance movement, no matter how many societal conventions it trespasses. Uh, indeed, the Wander Vogel Manifesto stated, we regard with contempt all who call us political. And their most repeated motto was our lack of purpose is our strength. <laughs> so like, that's what I, I don't want. Like, I just don't want to fall prey to that. Um, yeah. Thanks for indulging. That. <laughs> no, I'm glad you shared that. Cause I think, I think the things we're talking about can sound like that and actually could become that maybe they're already there. Like, I think I'm walking in new territory. It's, it's detached from my work. Um, although I hope to, to, to bring my work and as an educator or as a teacher into this thing, but I actually think all those things that you're citing are areas of risk for what, for the kinds of work I'm doing, because I do feel like it's, it, it could become essentially very 
middle class, not detached from working class, detached from the goal of revolution um, and more to become the goal of, uh, you know, I just want to get away from all this nonsense, you know, and just try to like escape, which I think is a, it's legit. People, that's a legitimate thing to do, but don't, don't confuse escape for changing the world, you know? So, and I do think it has to be connected. Like there, I would, I do feel like a test would be, does my work feel connected to the people like the people that Dea is working with in mission, the families there, if that, if, if my work felt detached from that and like, there was no way of connecting to that, I think that would make, I should have a question about what, what, what the value of what I'm doing or engaging in is. Um, so I, I actually think the, the, the thing, the critiques that that book are raising are, I think I agree with them. I think they could be posed to some of those ways we're talking about things here. Um, and I think there are risks in what I feel like there's risks in what I'm doing because it, there is a, there is a path, there is a tradition of escapism that, that does go into like some places that I don't politically want to end up in, you know? Um, but, uh, I guess what I would say is this is what I'm doing, <laughs> you know, and I, and I just would say, I, I want, I hope to be conscious of these pitfalls and then be talking with people like you, Jessica, and Kenny, and Eduardo, and Brandy, and Jeff, and, you know, just have all these checks of people who I think are trying to change the world. At some point, I'm, they'll be like, are you sure you want to go down that road? Like, are you sure you're doing the thing you want to be doing? Like, that's, that is going to be my check is other people who I trust, who are also trying to change the world, who will, who will be questioning me. Um, the one thing I'll say about work is... At this point, I am not organizing at work. The only the only thing I've done at work is said to my boss, I ain't teaching here if you vax the kids and I ain't teaching here if you try to get us faxed. And they said, we'll stay out of that. I, that's as much organizing as I've done. That's not organizing. That's just making a claim, you know. So I currently am not doing any organizing at work. And I think if I'm thinking about doing that, it feels more like I would want to be doing it in these freedom environments than in this institutional one. So that's a question mark, though, because it can be like, are are you doing, I don't know, are you doing it out of the place that it needs to be done in in order to make the change? But I just, I don't see any, I don't see anything there currently. I feel like there's a possibility of working with other people in education, in a, in a freedom environment, not in the institutional environment. I guess I'll just say that. So much to unpack for me. Uh, in terms of that, like I've always, I guess I'm always scared of falling into a culty mindset, <laughs> you know, because, um, you know, again, it becomes a single issue, right? Like, um, and, you know, like I'm glad, Lipson, that you're, you know, you brought that up that you have checks, right, like, with people that, from different perspectives. Like we all have, you know, slightly, you know, different takes on things. Um, and I just think that's super important to not like get soaked up in like this singular view of things. Because um, I've seen people like, I mean, that's that's my critique of liberal politics. <laughs> I mean, like it's my critique of people who sound the same, just repeat the same shit, you know, without like, and again, insulting their own intelligence, not really trying to wrestle with what they're thinking. 
but just repeating what someone else in like or some expert right which is usually an activist or some person who you know claims activism and so like I've, I've come to reject that you know and like I know I'm not I know I'm stubborn and I have strong opinions but it doesn't make me fully right you know and and I actually learn more from being challenged than just sticking with people that just think the same thing. Um, and I'm, I'm actually so used to being an outsider. That's my fortune, actually. And that's how I've, I've learned and like, you know, just being an outsider, looking in, being my own person. And because um, I was fortunate to be raised in a, in a community that wasn't very normal. <laughs> it was very like abnormal in so many ways and people were their own people and like I'm not saying that it was perfect but I just look at communities where like you know like the suburbs like the cookie cutter houses and that's what I'm afraid of you know in terms of just like just building communities separate from the world happening like I get the necessity to protect yourself because I want to run away I want to go to the hills I don't want to deal with any of this shit you know, but then I have people that I care about that will be left behind, you know, like, and so obviously I'm also not a savior, <laughs> you know, but it's just some, you know, things that I wrestle with. And then I wanted to go back to what you just said, Jessica, or like, you know, the quotes from the book and <clears throat> the people that were, you know, critiqued as being too, like, you know, about nature. But but I do think that will be part of it too, you know, like for us to claim, right, we at least people talk about dignity and stuff and and there is something there right like there is like again I'm in the John Trudell rabbit hole and he talks about you know how we all came from tribes you know and we have genetic memory and you know in and and I think that we will have to fight for that you know uh, not as a middle class thing you know not as an upper class thing because the fucking rich people buy forests and they go hide there. You know, they understand actually the value of nature. They do. <laughs> uh, and so, but in order for us to all, oh, because again, I think that my individual health comes from also from the health of the people around me, you know, like mental, emotional, spiritual. Um, and so if they're not okay, I'm not gonna be okay. You know, and, and, and so, again, it's the responsibility, at least that I understand that, you know, um, obviously I have to take care of my part and, and it's, but it's hard, right? If everyone else is just like mental, you know, and, and, and so, I don't know, I guess like my point is that um, there is value in that too, in, in shit that looks crazy, right? And that's what I've learned through these last two years. Um, that because, like, if in some other form of, of, of previous Kenny, you would have looked, looked crazy lips and in that table, in, in, you know, at the farmer's market, you know, but I now know better, you know, like, you know, engaging, you know, it's, it's, it's worth something. Um, you know, especially with people who might just seem complete opposite because I've actually been able to talk to very conservative people about shit. <laughs> you know, like I did, could not imagine that before. And I am actually at odds, you know, with uh, uh, like a lot of more liberal progressive stuff. We mentioned that so many times here. But it doesn't mean that I'm fully, you know, in line with conservatives, you know, and blah, blah, blah. But I guess my point is that I, we all have to, at least that's how I see it, 
be our own like intellectual people, you know, and be confident and empowered to do so and have an opinion and be wrong, you know, and, but at the same time, understand that, you know, running away can only last so long, (laughs) you know, and, and, you know, like at some point you have to make a stand. And for me, making a stand looks like what you were, we were talking first about here, like the groups, like being here, making a life, you know, being, being like, for me, the resistance that will last will look like the hockey, the people playing hockey in Canada, <laughs> you know, in the cold playing together, you know, and kids involved, not just a grown up event where we're going to have fight the cops, you know, because like we, we see how that gets spun around and like, oh, you're a rascal, but like, I'm not trying to expose kids, right, to violence, but it's like, if you really want to fuck with, you know, like a community, like with kids and all, you're a fucking asshole. And like, I think more people will be on your side than just people who shout things with like, you know, slogans and stuff. And and so it, it's, it's a task of a whole community, I guess, of people, not just like individuals that, you know, might know or might have more stronger opinions in, you know, and, and I think that and even in our history, like the, the political history of this country, it shows that that's the biggest threat to this system. That's what they had to destroy surrounding communities. <laughs> that's why they had to destroy the black community, indigenous, you know, people, you know, that's, that's what the, you know, the system of oppression had to go after the entire community, not just individuals. Penny, have you heard uh, Trudell's, I think it's called Take Back the Earth? His speech, since you're down the rabbit hole, it's my favorite. I'll, I'll, I'll send it to you. That'd be nice. Yeah, yeah, it's like a, it's like maybe 30 minutes. Um, and I think Red Nation has like the full recording. Um, and it, yeah, it's just amazing. I love Trudell as well. And Jessica, do you have any last thoughts? Because I think that's pretty much it for me. Um. I don't think so really. I mean, I guess I just, um, I was just talking with my students today, um, about we were doing like a, a feminist text and we were talking about the whole idea of like the personal is political. Um, and so I guess I'm just, I don't know where I'm going with it, but my, my mind's just trying to kind of connect that to like this idea of, creating communities but at the same time like not completely detaching um from like what is a war right like I mean it it is a war right like they're injecting children and chopping women up and I mean the whole yeah like and I think that for me it's like well yeah I'd love to go like play guitar in the woods but uh like we can't leave that um but I think yeah like this idea of trying to kind of reconcile creating those communities but not having them be like oh we're just like running away right like no we're we're building something and we're not going to be so naive that we think we're not going to have to defend it or that there that we can just sort of like spiritually dissolve like the tension right and the threat right because if it's not a threat then it's I mean to the dominant systems 
I don't know if it's really real or powerful, right? Like that's often how, you know, (laughs) even like in mainstream activism, right? Like that's why BLM and Greta Thunberg and whatever, like they're not a threat. And that's how you know that like, whether they know it or not, they are controlled opposition. They are just a, a shepherding of the working class into movements that don't really challenge power at all. Right. Um, but I, I also like even like reading that, um, like the excerpts from the book and just thinking about my own life. Like I, I do think that the sort of moral courage that it takes to, I mean, it sounds stupid, but for a lot of people to just show up to like a workers and students for choice group, right. Of like conspiracy theorists or whatever, or, um, to even just like look into something. Um, I, I do think it, in this environment, like it, it takes a degree of courage. And I think that that oftentimes does kind of come from more of a, like a personal place. Like, and I, I think about like the most liberating moments for my life and the most liberating changes that I've made. And they have been, they've been personal and I guess spiritual on some level too, but they've also been like keenly political and I have very consciously, especially, you know, in more recent years, like I've very consciously refused to detach those choices from uh, like a collective political resistance in my mind. And, and when I talk about them and I actually think that's what pisses people off. Like it's not actually even the choices themselves. It's, it's the, their connection to a radical politics. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, that's, yeah, like I was talking with my students today that like, that's what like second wave feminism is one of the things that it really gave us is like this assertion that the, the private and the personal are just as political and they're just as powerful. And for some people it might start there. Um, but ultimately it is a collective struggle and that's where I hope we can get and dang it, I was going to ask you guys in this episode what, like, what you, because you guys are Marxists and you always talk about revolution. And I wanted to ask, like, what, like, what's the revolution? Like, is this what we've been describing? Is this the revolution or is this like the precursor to the revolution? I mean, that was where I was going to maybe end up is one, I don't know. Um, I do think it's going to, important for me to ask myself the question of do I see what I'm doing as connected to fomenting civil war, having and and leading and moving in the direction of having a revolution. Um, and if I do think that question has to keep in my mind. And I, to date, I can still say, oh, I can see what I'm doing as connected to those to those end end goals of we're going to need to going to attempt to win a what I think will be a civil war. Um, and uh, I could see how these are connected as long as the thing that we're building, well, no, this is not the only thing, but one thing that comes to mind is that we understand that we are building this thing so that we will, and we will be in, in we will intend on defending it and we will intend on spreading it. Um, and uh, that's, that's what comes to mind to me. Um, so, 
but how what I'm doing is connected, it feels very that that it feels thinly connected. And I don't I don't really know what revolution will look like now because I used to connect it much more to just grabbing the means of production and using them in your own. And now I'm sort of not so sure about that. I think this is essential to it. I mean, like that I take the communist part of it. I guess that, you know, it does take a community and you know, and like and having something worth defending, you know, otherwise you're just poised for destruction, you know, and um so yeah, I mean for me they are. I mean, it doesn't mean that again I'm abandoning that idea because at least I think I have a sense of how power works, right? And they will come, you know, <laughs> if, if you build something that will challenge power. They have, they've done it plenty of times, you know, and, but that's like Lipson said before, that's how you know that you're a threat. That's how you know it's working when they're, when they're you know, they become forceful. And so um, you have to be prepared for that, you know, and, and you know, and like, I don't, when I think of revolution, I don't automatically think guns. It is part of it, you know, and like that's what I think it evokes in people. But fundamentally, for me, it's a flipping power dynamics. You know, what shape does that take? Well, that's up to us. You know, and like it has to be collective, otherwise, we're going to be a fucking square one again, fighting some other asshole in some other power structure. Like, you know, and that's what we've talked about. Like, either we learn the lessons along the way. Or we push for the same shit, uh, repeat, you know? And, and so, like, I don't have all the answers. All I know is that the power dynamics have to change. So I push for revolution. That's the best answer, uh, you know, that I can give right now. It, it feels very far away, but it feels like there's it's all or nothing. And the whole system is going to have to change. And we will have to collectively do it. What we make of it, it's like what we said. Everyone who shows up to the party then decides when they get there kind of thing. But it will take some planning. I do believe there'll be some planning, but how that's going to go, I don't know. Um, I will say, I think this episode in part is probably inspired by the fact that I wanted to have a check-in about what I'm doing because it's so detached from what I used to be doing in some ways and share it with you, Jessica and Kenny and and just put say it out loud. So Jessica, I really appreciated you bringing that reading there because I think there, some of these paths we go down, they can lead to places we don't want to end up in. Um, I guess that's it, right? All right. Well, again, thank you both for being part of this. Kenny, you're not going to be here next week, right? Uh, I'm going to be uh, hopefully under the sun if it doesn't rain. All right. But gone for one week or more than that? Uh, just one week. Yeah. Okay. All right. I'll let you know if I decide to stay down there. So, <laughs> always so there. next week we'll. We we'll... wouldn't blame you. <laughs> yeah, we'll run away. <laughs> <laughs> so next week will be me and Jessica, and we'll see who else. Maybe Eduardo. We'll, we'll see who else is going to be part of the show. Um, but let me do the sign off. Um, so that does it for this week's episode. What's Left is a weekly political podcast channel, Challenge the Mainstream Left. We post information about our topics and our guests on the episode notes wherever you found this episode or on our blog, what-s-left.webnode.com. You can find past episodes of this podcast channel there and connect with us. I remind people, if you fancy anything you've heard here, please subscribe, rate, review, turn on your notifications. 
uh, to any of our nine platforms, Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, BitChute, Odyssey, YouTube, Telegram, or Rumble. Um, you can find our blog and any of those links in the episode notes wherever you found this episode. Um, if you'd like to give us feedback about something uh, or you've heard or suggest something for us to cover, contact us through our blog. And of course, as always, make any comments you want about our episodes. We appreciate people who take the time to do that. Um, all right, Jessica, thank you very much. Kenny, no longer socialist and community organizer, just Kenny is the pot, just like Andy's just going to be Andy from now on. We'll see what Eduardo calls himself when he comes back. Um, but for now, we've kind of simplified and um, we'll be back next week with at least Andy and Jessica. 